You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk to you about BuildBook, who in addition to sponsoring this episode, they've developed a program to help all of you during this extremely difficult time. If you don't know what they do, they offer a tool that funnels all the conversations and decisions that occur between you, your team, and your client before, during, and after projects into one place and made it dead simple to use. They've taken something that is chaotic for most of you, like staying on top of all the messages you're getting over text, phone calls, job site conversations, you name it, and brought it into one channel that's simple for anyone on your team to use. Look, I don't need to tell you guys this, but good, clear communication with your clients and team is more critical now than it has ever been. BuildBook knows how important this is for you as well, but also knows the strain this crisis is having on your business. So they're offering their software to you for free. Yes, you heard that correctly. To help you get through this unprecedented time, BuildBook has put together a program to provide you with some free resources, including their software. It's an amazing opportunity that I strongly encourage you to take advantage of. So hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777. That's one word, BUILDBOOK. They'll immediately send you a link that brings you directly to the page to sign up. There are no strings attached. It's just their way of doing what they can to support your business. So go ahead and hit pause and text BUILDBOOK, one word, to 33777 to get your free account. All right, let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Building a Family Business. I've got Wes and Brooks here with me today. How's it going, guys? Going great. Good, going great, Spencer. Good. Yeah, I'm excited for today because we're going to kind of get into the weeds on uh, family dynamics in business. And we were kind of talking a a little bit about, you know, the construction industry and just how many uh, family businesses there are. And uh, I know you guys have have been in the industry for a while. Is that what you've seen pretty much over the last, uh, you know, couple of decades as you guys have been in the space as well? Don't all jump in at once. <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think if you look at the United States in general, it's it's made up of small business and there's lots and lots and lots of multi-generational businesses out there. Uh, I think the sad thing is, of course, that most of them don't last past uh, the first generation. You know, So the ones that get from the first generation to the second generation are the the outliers. But yeah, I think in, in the remodeling space, the building space, it's traditionally been a family business for the most part, other than a couple of really big players that are publicly traded. 
Yeah, most of the, I mean, there's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. A, um, you know, 5% of the home building companies produce about 80 to 90% of the product, but 95% of the home building companies are made up of sole proprietors, you know, one or two person companies, and uh, they produce a lot of housing, but really the publicly traded companies produce most of the housing in a volume way, um, but there's just tons and tons and tons of small businesses that lend themselves to being uh, family owned and operated. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you have that mixture of business and family, it certainly um, has a lot of positives, which we kind of talked about some of those in the first episode, but it also brings it along its own unique set of challenges. Uh, not that other businesses don't have their challenges, but they're just very unique to kind of that combination of family and running a business. And, um, you know, I guess off the top of your guys' heads, what are a couple of those challenges that you guys have seen and we can kind of hit on maybe working with parents or kids, um, but then we can also kind of hit on uh, siblings as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Spencer, um, Wes and I were talking yesterday about when you're hiring for a business, are you hiring and, you, and you're looking to hire perhaps a family member could be any family member. Are you looking to hire them because they're a family member? Are you looking to hire them because they have the skills? Um, and what are the re- what are the motivations for actually employing a family member in your business? And uh, that's just an interesting question in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah absolutely. I think another thing that um, most of us never thought about. I mean, you know, Brooks and I have the experience of being kids coming into a family business. And I certainly have the experience of hiring kids into a family business. And Brooks has the experience of not hiring kids into a family business very specifically and, and thoughtfully thinking through that. But I think um, in terms of a child coming into a family business, a fair amount of thought should be put into that, really. I mean, if there should be discussions around those types of motivations. Why does the child, you know, the adult child want to come into the business? Do they want to come into the business? Are they only come into the business because mom or dad wants them to come into the business? Um, and I think it would, it would benefit a lot of these uh, smaller companies, family-owned companies, uh, certainly would have benefited ours you know, if we had had those conversations up front as to why people were coming into the business and we set that playing field out in advance. But those are kind of tough discussions to have. Yeah, and I think, uh, Wes, you said you were, when you were getting into the business, you had been in there for a while and then you were getting really busy. You brought Brooks in. It sounded like it was more like you were excited to work with Brooks and that was the you know, primary reason, I think in that instance, it ended up working out. But Brooks, back to your question, it was kind of like, well, why was that decision made? Was it because, oh, this is going to be fun? Or, oh, I'm looking to fill a slot, you know, in the business? Is that kind of what you're hinting at there? Yeah, I think you can end up, um, you know, like in, in our specific situation, it was probably a combination of both. You know, it's like, oh, I need to fill a spot. It actually could be fun to work with a sibling. Um, and then the, the question is, is that the real, is it the real logical reason? Is it more of an emotional reason? Uh, when, you're, when you're hiring, hiring is so challenging uh, for any business because a wrong hire can have such catastrophic effects. Uh, 
then you know, what do you, what are the things you can do to make it make it more successful starting out with that hire? Um, so asking those harder questions that Wes is talking about. You know, what is the motivation? Is there qualifications for the person to be there? Yeah. I think you can certainly in those conversations try to set some ground rules up front. So try to look forward to what issues might come up. We always think, well, there aren't going to be any issues. This is great. It's family. But thinking forward and saying, okay, well, what happens um, if uh, the adult child is not interested anymore in participating in the business? What happens? You know, how does that conversation take place? What if the uh, adult child is not fulfilling their role properly? How does that happen? You know, how does the, the parent talk to the adult child about that? And if you can set out some ground rules in advance, then those things can happen in such a way that maybe don't damage the family relationship just because there's an issue around the business relationship. And I think that's one of the things you have to think about is that, hey, if I bring this person into the business, could this have long lasting damage to our relationship as family members? So it's just something that has to be thought about and, and addressed, I think. Yeah, I like the idea of having some ground rules. I guess looking back on both of your experiences, are there some other kind of questions that people should be thinking about if they're going, hey, I've got this business, I'm maybe 5, 10, 15 years away from retirement or wanting to phase out of the business and looking to bring in, you know, a kid. Um, what do you think are kind of some of those key questions aside from maybe laying some ground rules that um, can be good thought experiments for people to think through like, oh, it is this something I want to do or is it not? And, you know, cause there's no right answer like you should or you shouldn't, it's very situationally dependent, but is there kind of a good way to walk through that in your mind um, and work through it? I don't know what Brooks would think. I think one of the first things would be as the business owner, deciding what your own goals are. Exactly so, what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, yep. what is your goal, right? Brooks? Yep. If, if, hey, do I want to, have this business. My goal is to transition this business to the next generation. That's a big goal of mine. I want to see that business go on or no, I really want to just exit the business and I'm looking for somebody to help me exit the business. You know, it, it, you know, you really have to think through those things up front because, and have that discussion with the person who's coming on board, the family member coming on board because they may have a radically different idea than what your idea is. And, and you may think that you're all synced up, but that lots of times that's not the case. You're not synced up. Yeah, I would think the, uh, and having observed, you know, other friends in the construction business, you know, bring family members in, you know, usually it's in a situation, you know, it can be uh, siblings um, or it, most often it's a child, you know, an adult child and having it been seen it done different ways. I think the, the, the most important thing is what you said, Wes, which is let's um, let's think about it as the business owner, lay out your plan and think about, okay, what do I want to do as an owner? You know, cause you could be, you could be in your uh, early forties and have a, an adult child who wants to go into the trades and ends up wanting to be in the business. And you know, you, you might be 20 years away from retirement. And so having that adult child come in early has different effects based on what they want to do with their life and what they want to do with their time. Yeah. And um, whereas if you're thinking about it when you're 55 or 60 and an adult child may be in their thirties and want to come back, come, come from another career and come in can have a different impact. 
So it's being super intentional. Yeah, I, I think so. I, if, you know, if you have no intention of exiting the business, you're thinking, hey, I would like to have some family members in here working in the business, helping me out with the business, but I want to stay here, you know, until they carry me out. Um, that's really good for the, uh, the family members coming in to know because if they're coming in thinking, hey, mom or dad, they're going to transition out at some point and mom or dad don't have any plans of transitioning out or haven't really thought that through for themselves, then that's where you have family businesses that can blow up 15 years in or 20 years in to this relationship. And all of a sudden you've got people that have a great amount of time invested in that relationship. And all of a sudden they're having to try to work through some of these hard questions pretty late. And so that can just amp up the pressure and, um, uh, you know, the intensity of those conversations. And that's where you can potentially have some damage in the family. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, you know, one of the great things about small businesses is the ability to create equity. And mm -hmm. you can really bootstrap your way up to being, you know, relatively affluent or wealthy by building your business up from, like you said, you could start with some tools in a, in a truck. Uh, but the whole, one of the whole questions you have to ask yourself is, you know, what do I want for, you know, a family member who's coming in? Are they coming in thinking, well, I might get some of this equity or are you, are you thinking as the owner, no, all this equity is mine. I'm just going to train you. You can go get your, build your own equity somewhere else. And having those questions because the, what creates a lot of attention is control who's in control at a certain point, And then, and then where is the wealth that's been created? Where is that going? Is it staying with, first generation, second generation, is it being passed to the third generation? And if people put a lot of time in uh, with the expectation that some of that is going to be transferred and it hasn't been those discussions, yeah, I think back to your point, Wes, is yeah, there can be a lot of you know family friction around that. I think that's a really good point, Brooks. And I think one of the things that uh, an adult child coming into a business, you know, everyone has different perspectives. So the perspective of a 50-year-old, 40- or 50-year-old versus a 20-year-old or 21-year-old coming into the business is radically different. So uh, the timeframes, I think the how you view a time frame is quite different depending on your life stage. So if you're 40 or 50, you go, okay, well, 20 years, that's not a particularly long period of time. If you're a 21-year-old, you're going, well, that's my entire lifetime so far. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, now it's I'm double my lifetime. So if the, you know, if the owner comes in and says, Hey, you know, Bob, I really appreciate you coming to the business. I'm thinking maybe in about 20 years, I'll start transitioning out. You can think about buying some of the business then, you know, that seems like a pretty long haul for Bob. And just because of his unique perspective of being 21 or 22, at least they're having the conversation, but, but now you can start to have that conversation about, well, Bob's going, well, boy, I don't know, dad, you know, that seems like an awful long time. Yeah, let's let's see if we can work something else out so I can start transitioning in sooner. But then it comes to those things that Brooks was just talking about, which are um, equity and control. So two really big pieces, and typically those two things are locked together, right, Brooks? I mean, absolutely. You know, yep. they, they tend to be in tandem. So if you got sixty percent of the equity, most likely you got six. You know, you got sixty percent of the control, which means you have. 100%. All the control. Yep. Yeah. You, you know what's, go ahead, Rex. What's really, um, you know, to your point, Wes, 
is having those discussions about opportunity because when it comes to equity and control, um, you can have equity and control in lots of places today. Um, you know, especially if you're in a, in a city that's got a great economy, you know, has a good economy and has opportunities to create equity and control in other industries that are not construction related and potentially build even more wealth than you could in the construction business. If you're in a, a part of the, a part of the world where, you know, a construction business or remodeling business is your best way to create equity then and create wealth, then pursue that, but pursue it with the intention of let's discuss transition control. What are the thoughts? When are people going to want to transition control and equity? What's, what's, what's fair about when that happens and how much equity you know, transferred and then, and how does that relate with other people in the family? And we haven't even, we just talked about maybe one adult child working in a business. If there's more than one child, how does that work with other, other children, or other family members? And I think that's, uh, that's an excellent point because the other children say that are not involved in the business, say there's just one child that's involved in the business. Um, unless there's really good conversations with the parents, about what's going on, you can kind of assume that those kids are going to, just depending on the kid they're, that are not involved in the business, they're going to assume worst case. They're going to say, hey, Bob's getting given the business or, you know, and what am I? Chopped liver. You know? So, uh, so those, but those things can pop up in someone's mind. They may never say anything, but it can start to damage the family dynamic depending on what level of communication the family has around the family business. I mean, that's just one scenario. Another scenario would be one which would be more like our business where we had multiple siblings involved in the business and we had siblings that weren't involved in the business at, at, the, at the same time. So all that kind of adds complexity to the, to the scenario. Yeah, and for context, maybe we can just review. Like, So you guys were kids coming into the business at one point and there were five of you, but maybe give the lay of the land and kind of how each of your siblings were involved at different points. Um, yeah. With, with the business. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start in Brooks. You can just kind of pitch in where I, I missed it. But so originally when uh, I learned how to build homes, I did that with my two older sisters, Heidi and Lori. So we were all about the same age for just a year apart. So we started building homes together when I was a senior in high school, and that was really to put ourselves through college. So at that point, Heidi, Lori, and Wes, myself, we all had the same level of knowledge about building homes at that, that period. Then Brooks came along, he did the same thing. He built houses with us, and then Todd came along and built houses as well. So when the time came to start coming into the business, um, I came into the into the full business. Brooks came in. Todd came in. At that point, our oldest sister Heidi had taken a job with a, a large telecom company, and our sister Lori uh, had married and moved to a different state. So they were not involved at that point. Not that they didn't have the knowledge and expertise to do it. They did because they had exactly the same training that the other three of us had. Um, so. So really, then it becomes a question of, hey, why are you guys there? Um, why, why, are, why is anyone in the business and why is anyone out of the business? And unless you talk about it, 
you know, people can assume all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things. Yeah, because you get to, you, you start having questions around opportunity. You know, what's the, what's the opportunities created by being in the business? Mm -hmm. Um, what are the opportunities created by not being in the business? I can, you can see it from both sides because, you know, you can not be in the business and end up, you know, launching into a startup that you've got a chance in and, and become, you know, become a multimillionaire. And what was that opportunity lost by the person in the business? Right. Who's like, Oh, I was in the family business doing my part as a family member. And, you know, and, John went over and worked for a big startup and, and now he's retired at, you know, 30, he's a multimillionaire. And I was over here helping mom and dad out. So, you know, there's both sides of it. And a lot of it has to do with the economics of how the economics work out. Right. And so I think it's um, pretty helpful if mom and dad or whoever's running that particular business, I guess my advice would be is don't, don't pressure your kids to go into the business. I mean, because that does happen in a lot of family businesses, you know, there's this expectation, you know, whatever the business happens to be that um, John or Janine, you know, they're going to come in and take over the business and they're going to relieve mom and dad from that burden. And so there's a lot of family pressure to do that. And I think as a business owner, it's important to not exert any of that pressure and because it can lead to that consequence that Brooks just talked about around opportunity. Well, I didn't take that great job uh, in another state and pursue my, my second passion because I felt like I needed to help out mom and dad. Um, so you don't want that. I mean, I wouldn't. And it's, it's not a good place to be. And one of the challenges I, as, a, as a business owner, you know, growing your business, you're, you're just running 100 miles an hour. And the your your children if you're you're thinking about your children they quickly become you know from very small to uh young adults and then boom they're off you know after you know 18 19 years they're off on whatever direction they're going and so it's so hard to be having these thinking about this and thinking about the ramifications when your kids are 10 11 12 when all of a sudden maybe in five years they'll be in the in the business and you're just trying to grow your business and you're like, man, I don't know if this business will be here in five years. And then, <laughs> right. I'm just trying to make payroll. <laughs> I'm just trying to make payroll. I'm just trying to, you know, trying to keep this thing going. So again, like when we talked about in, in the previous episode is taking that time to sit down with whomever you're involved in the business with and have those discussions about, you know, would we want to have kids in the business? Would we want to have family members in the business? Uh, and then how would we see that happening? And would we actually have a process for that? I'm going to give you a little, well, actually a big piece of insight that most construction companies don't even realize. Nearly all of the problems you encounter in your projects and business have one thing in common communication or lack thereof. Think about the last time a project went sideways. I'm guessing if you traced it back to its source, it had something to do with a missed or miscommunication. In fact, 72% of client unhappiness is directly attributed to poor communication during projects. Needless to say, good communication needs to be a priority in your business. And that's especially true with everything that's happening around us today. 
BuildBook has created a simple solution that makes communicating with your clients and team incredibly easy so nothing slips through the cracks. And as a reminder, they've also made it 100% free for you to use during this uncertain climate we're currently in. So hit pause right now and text BuildBook, one word, to 33777 and they'll send you a link to sign up. All right, let's get back to the show. I want to shift gears just for a second and just be, and I don't have to spend too much time on this, but I think one of the dangers of bringing family members into a business is sometimes parents use the family business as a place to park their kid. I I don't know how to say it any (laughs) more nicely than that. Sure. I mean, so, so maybe uh, that child has struggled um, they haven't done, you know, they haven't been able to hold jobs, whatever the issue might be. But so what they've decided is, Hey, uh, I'm going to give them a job because then I know that they're doing okay. And it's, and it's done out of love for that child. But unfortunately, just depending on the size of the company, if you have more than, uh, one or two employees, there can create issues within the company itself. If that child is brought in. They're not performing as they should perform. Um, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then the rest of the employees go, well, why am I here? You know, little Johnny's sucking all the money out <laughs> in his salary and he's not doing anything. He's showing up late. He's not doing his job. Why would I, why would I work here? And so it just destroys the culture of the company and, and which can be devastating for a company that spent a lot of time building up a great culture and then you have this next generation come in and that culture gets destroyed pretty quickly. And it's mostly because the parents are trying to help their child and instead they, they hurt everything. I think it goes back west to the discussion we had previously about doing disc profiles, doing personality profiles early on in your company mm-hmm. and understanding what are the best profiles for different jobs and understanding your own personality profile and how you interact, how you manage, you know, how do, how do I, as a, as a boss, you know, how do I deal with stress? How do I deal with having hard conversations and trying to understand yourself a little bit more? And, you know, a lot of these businesses are, uh, it's a husband and wife or two partners and uh, that, that are related in some way. And, and how, how do they interact that layer of, of interaction and then, followed by a family layer of interaction um, of, you know, typically a, a child coming into the business. Yeah. You have to kind of decide what your priorities are. What's your priority? Yep. Is it your business or your family if, overall for your life? And, and I don't put anything on either one of those. I mean, some people go, hey, my business is my thing and my family comes second. Oddly enough, I mean, that wouldn't be the way I would roll, but uh, and then the other way is my family comes first, my business comes second. Uh, but you have to kind of decide that up front and then say, if my family is most important uh, and my business is second in importance, but it is important because this puts food on the table, That's right. <laughs> then, then how I'm, so what am I going to do to make sure that I always have good family relations with my kids siblings, everyone that's, that could potentially be involved um, in that business or have went eyes into the business somehow. Um, so you kind of have to think through that. 
Yeah. And, and Wes, when you were describing that comment of having, you know, uh, I guess in some situations when you bring a kid into the business as a place to park them, I think is how you put it. I was, I was just thinking about, no, I think, I think it's yeah. valid. I think that does it happen. Um, yeah. And, and I was thinking about when I came into the direct mail business, this was after you moved uh, from Seattle out of the home building business to Colorado Springs. And I had come into the business, not um, in that fashion. I had started kind of getting into digital marketing. You said, Hey, let's start a division within this company. But as the, the son of the boss, when I came in, it was so awkward because there are all these people that have been here for a long time. Like I'm coming in with my tie and, you know, uh, looking, (laughs) you know, uh, all professional, like 23, don't know anything about what I'm doing, even though I knew like what we were trying to do. Um, But I think that dynamic is interesting too, because when you bring in, uh, you know, a child into the business, the, the cultural impact like you were starting to describe is like, how is that perceived? Is it perceived that they're just getting it because they're family? Like everyone else had to interview. Did that person have to interview? And, uh, and I think that is interesting too. Like what's the communication to the rest of the company when that, uh, that child is brought into the business and have you guys seen like what that can do to just the rest of the team and how that's perceived or, or is it just kind of a non-issue? Yeah, I, I- yeah, I can kind of jump in with a, an example. And so Spencer, you know, I don't know that you and I have ever talked about this specifically, but obviously when we moved to Colorado and purchased the direct mail company from your grandparents and my in-laws. So I was coming in at that point, having had a previous uh, career around building with Brooks and Todd and, and uh, our parents. And I'd done that for uh, probably 20 years, been building for 20 years. So I came in to a new industry at the age of 36. But when I entered into that business, all the employees in that business said, oh, okay, I guess we know what the owner is gonna do now. You know, <laughs> here's, it, here's the my future going, boss. Yeah, 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 this is my future boss uh, who knows nothing about this business at this point. So I'm gonna have to train this new person who's now gonna be my boss at some point. And so they're all sizing up that family member because they know that that family member is there uh, for that reason, which is to buy the company, transition the company onto its next uh, step and its journey. So it, it can be very awkward. I totally, I totally get that feeling <laughs> of walking around going, hey, I have no idea what's going on in this company. I'm buying it, uh, put money down on the table. And, uh, and now I got to figure this out and I have to create a new relationship with everyone else in the team. And uh, what was interesting about that was is that several people left the company shortly thereafter and they were both individuals who probably... Uh, I don't know for sure, but probably thought that they could purchase the business yeah, for themselves. You know, they were no discussions possibly, you know, but maybe thinking that. Yeah, they were younger, you know, kind of my contemporaries in age, maybe a little bit younger. And, and so once I came in and purchased the business, they probably thought, well, that door is going to be closed for the next 20 years. Well, it's an interesting point you make, Wes, which is the, as anytime you bring, as you try to exit a business and you're like, you know, whatever age you're trying to exit and you're trying to capture some of that equity that you've created. And, you know, the sale of the business is something that's you know very much on the table um, and trying to find that right buyer. So it could have been you. It was more complicated because you were the buyer as a son-in-law. 
Correct. Uh, in that situation, it could have been anybody. And absolutely. And, and, and still would have been a lot of the same situations, which is like, oh, here's the new guy. This is who the business owner is identified as a purchaser. And those people that had thought, well, maybe I could get a chance. Maybe they'd never raised their hand, never had a discussion. Mm-hmm. And maybe the owner had never had a discussion with, I'm casting around looking for a buyer. I know Wes, uh, Todd and I, when my younger brother who I'm partnered, was partners with, when we were looking to uh, close our business, one of the options was, well, is there somebody within the business who might want to buy it? Um, and we actually had conversations with people like, are you interested? And, and most everybody who worked for us was not entrepreneurial by nature. And they're like, no, I just like working here. That's just fine. Yeah. And uh, so that was an interesting, interesting discussion to have. And maybe one that your father-in-law, uh, Spencer's grandfather, may have had or may not have had with his employees. You know, we don't I, don't, know. I don't think that he did. I think he just said, you know, here's, here's Wes. He's buying the business. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's interesting because that was the, you know, probably his default was, Hey, I want to pass it to family, right? Some, some connection, you know, that's true. Other than he had sold it to a non-family member, another company, a number of years before. So Mm. about 10 years, 12 years before he was approached by uh, a company that said, Hey, we'd like to, to purchase the company. And I think at that point he said, Hey, here's a buyer. And as you're in business, well, no, it's like, well, there's a buyer when am I going to see my next buyer? Um, that's unusual uh, for small businesses. And so he took advantage of that. But eventually, because he loved his company and he saw that the new owners weren't, and he stayed on to work in the company, he saw that he needed to buy it back. And so he bought it back. Um, and then he probably then started looking at family members. <laughs> well, and that's a, that's a good point. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, maybe that's a, a big part of why you see family businesses because often your best chance of sale is to your kids, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. most people don't have the systems and the process and everything really streamlined and actually have a sellable asset in the, because it's a service business. And so you've really got to have your systems dialed in to be able to sell that. Um, and so that may be just that, easiest path of how to get some of that equity out is like, here's a buyer, you know, right in front of me. Um, But I kind of want to jump back to that topic a little bit of, um, you know, bringing kids into the business and having um, those tough conversations. And, and Wes, you had brought it up. You said, start with your goals. Brooks, you said, I agree. Like the start with the business owner's goals. Okay. I want to exit the business and say the goal is to pass it on to family. There's a legacy or some, something tied up in that goal. Um, how do you balance that with those conversations with your kids when say maybe your kids aren't interested? Cause I think that was what happened uh, for you uh, Brooks with you and Todd, but I'm kind of curious, how do you balance your own goals and what you want to have happen with, you know, maybe your own kids' goals and what they want to do? I think lots of conversations, I think. And it's the sitting down and, and having regular conversations with, especially with your kids about, hey, here's what we're trying to do in the business. Uh, what are you interested in doing with your career? You know, whether you're you're going to go right out of high school and, and go into the trades or you have some other, you know, some plan or you're going to go to college and, and having those conversations early on, um, yeah, it would be interesting to, to talk to, to my kids, you know, and have the conversation, well, what do they remember from, 
you know, sitting around the kitchen table talking around the business and, and my wife and I talking about our goals for the business and just having those open conversations as you're helping your kids decide what they want to do with their lives. Um, and in, in our case, our, our conversations, with our kids was, you know, there's not going to be an opportunity in, the, in this particular business for, for you to, to take over. Um, so let's help you find something else to do. And our conversations around will help you with anything real estate related uh, investments or anything else, but let's not use our business to pay everybody. Um, you know, there's other greater opportunities where you can accumulate wealth outside of this business. So I think those conversations are important. And Spencer, you might remember better um, <laughs> how many of those conversations we might have had around our, our kitchen table. But I think if you, if you truly are interested in having one of your kids or multiple kids come into the business and transition the business in that way, you really do have to start pretty early in exposing them to the good parts of the business. So Absolutely. if you think about your kitchen table conversations, especially if the economy is down, what are those conversations around? Oh, it's like, oh my goodness, uh, meeting payroll. How am I going to make payroll this month? Um, gee, how are sales? You know, sales are bad or, you know, all those kinds of things that, because we tend to talk about the things that are challenging to us and we don't talk about the things that bring us joy within the business and, and all the great things that come with the business. Absolutely. So, and then we tend to also use our kids. And I think, um, this is interesting just because uh, I think we've all experienced that everyone here on this podcast and, and multiple other family members, we use the business, uh, we use our kids as uh, fairly inexpensive labor to help us out when things are tough, right? <laughs> you know it, <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, so my wife, you know, who worked in the direct mail business, uh, she has memories of, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, stuffing envelopes, things like that. You know, we talked last time about scrapping lots and, and cleaning out houses and doing all the grunt work around construction. That was Brooks's experience and my experience. Uh, you know, <laughs> Spencer, you can speak to your experience. I'm sure it was similar to your mom's. Yeah, so, very similar. Uh, yeah, very similar. <laughs> so <laughs> here, we're going to put it. on a movie and you right. know, stuff these envelopes while you're doing it. <laughs> so as a parent, you don't realize that you could be setting up you know, your potential person who might be very, very interested in the business, turning them off to the business because you're only showing them the least glamorous parts of the job. You're not really taking a structured approach and stepping them through and allowing them to see the different, yeah. more exciting parts and see where they could possibly go. And I, so I think you're gonna, if you're interested in having your kids come in, then you gotta start that process pretty early. So much earlier and with so much more intention. And of course, yeah. you know, Wes, you and I get the benefit of looking backwards and going, what could, what could we have done better? What could we have done differently to, a, right. uh, and I certainly, you know, with having three kids could have done so many more things better in, in that way to maybe create a situation where I could have had a kid, you know, buy the business and, and take it over. Um, because in our situation, we just closed it. Um, because you know, with intention, but it was an interesting thing to do. And when you got to that point, you're like, hmm, well, maybe I should have done this a little bit differently. Yeah. 
but you don't know until you get there. So you don't that's... know until you get there, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, that was our kind of hindsight is 2020, right? We were going to use, use that in the, you know, this year. But uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about, uh, we got a little bit of time left for today. And I want to talk about um, transitions. That was one thing that we had all kind of chatted about. So let's say you do have that family member that's coming into the business and hopefully you've had some of these conversations or you're working through some of them, you know, how, what are some ways to think about transition? You know, do you go fast or slow? You know, is it, um, Hey, we've got this 15 year horizon and we're going to just slowly transfer it or should you pick kind of a defined window? And then that gets into lots of complications in terms of value in the business and all these types of things, which we may not have time for today, but, uh, I guess just general thoughts on transition. Like, is there a good way to think about that or good questions to be asking as you, you know, get to that stage? I think for, for me, I guess there's a good guideline having been on both sides of that conversation. I think transitioning should be as fast as is safely possible. So, and I put the word safely in there because you don't want to um, just walk away from the business as the, say you're the, the parent and just say, here, here you go, have fun. Um, and then have the business fail because they haven't had enough time to, to come up to speed. And on the other hand, you don't want to be in that situation possibly where, you know, dad's 95, uh, you know, daughter is uh, 75 and dad's still coming into the office, right? And it's just never going to happen. And so everyone's, well, probably the daughter is pretty frustrated who's been in the business her entire life and it's never, never happened. So I, I just say, I think transition it as fast as humanly possible so that the business, but that the business can still survive and do well. And, um, and, and that's going to be different for every business. Absolutely. But, and it, it depends on how, you know, how, how much equity is required in a business to make it run. And I think some of the friction is created when um, the, the selling side, you know, typically the parent, if they're not able to take some of their equity off the table, as the businesses transition so they can feel secure in their retirement because most likely they're this business is part of their retirement plan and some cash flow from it or some cash flow from the equity component. Um, you just quicker, you can get that off the table and you know, then the parent is going to be more comfortable like, okay, well, we've made a good transition. You know, Bob can take it now and it's going to be fine. And maybe they get some, some income off it over time as part of a, a buyout, but not a hundred percent of their retirement is in the business because that's going to create the stress where the seller is going to come in and say, you know, you're messing this up and I'm going to, and I'm not going to have the retirement I planned on. So yeah, like you said, a quick transition, but in a way that's safe for, right. for everybody. And I think, you know, so that's true even for non-family businesses, most small Absolutely. businesses, you know, the new buyer comes in and there's usually, you know, maybe some cash down or something, and then it's a workout. And so they're getting paid over a period of, the owner is getting paid over a period of time. And there's lots and lots of examples of those deals that haven't gone that well because the new buyer hasn't performed up to snuff. And so the original owner isn't getting the amount of money that they need. And so things have to be renegotiated. So I think it's, that's where the, the quicker transition can be better. So the seller can feel comfortable. And if you can do that, uh, the nice thing is that the next generation hopefully has a good relationship with the 
passing generation and we'll go back to them and get advice and all those other cool things that you can get because it's family. Uh, but the money becomes less of an issue for everybody because that can just ramp up all the emotions and, and it ramps up all the pressure. Yeah. All the yeah. pressure gets really high. So if you can you know, think of the ways, how can I depressurize this, this transition, this relationship? So it's still a, a good family relationship. And that's where I have those conversations about, Hey, what does, what does the, uh, the seller need to get out of it? I mean, and having those conversations, the, the more open the two generations can be, the better it's going to be because if the, the older generation can say, Hey, this is kind of my minimum that I got to get out of it. And, or this is what I would like to get. And so everyone kind of knows how that works. And, um, and that just makes it easier, I think, for the next generation to go, okay, I kind of know what I'm up against to make this work for mom and dad. Um, and I'm okay with that. I think I can do that. Yeah. yeah and it this makes whole, me, oh, go ahead, Brooks. This whole question of transitions, um, and, and, you know, it quickly becomes a discussion about control again, when, you know, when do we transition control? And it quickly becomes a discussion about money and, you know, where's the money and how's that money going to transfer. And uh, so I, I throw it back to early on um, it, this discussing, you know, how much money can you as a someone coming into the business make? What are the different salaries within the business? What are the income streams? And what are those opportunities outside this kind of business where you could potentially make more or less? So, so there's a good understanding, especially if you're a parent trying to guide your child to the best place for them. And uh, that goes back to Wes's point, which is, you know, well, how much money could potentially come out of this business, you know, for the seller and for the buyer, you know, over time. Yeah. And it made me think Brooks exactly where you were going kind of that initial comment you made around ownership and equity, but doing the fast transition seems like, you know, if you kind of had this long drawn out um, transfer, then, you know, each individual has very different goals probably at their stage of life. You know, you've got Absolutely. somebody that's maybe more conservative and somebody that's like, well, let's push it, you know? And so if, if you have this long transition, you probably get into those types of, you know, now you're both in the business and you have different philosophies on where you want to take the business. Do you, would you guys agree? Oh, I, I would absolutely agree with yeah, that. It's a good way to put it. And I think, so trying to keep uh, equity and control aligned, I think is, is kind of a core um, concept. That's a, a good one to think about. So if the seller still has, it needs to get 70 or 80% of their money out and the buying uh, the buyer uh, the second generation has total control. I, I think that's a recipe for some conflict. Potentially. Oh, potentially. You know, absolutely. Because there's going to be a difference. There's a change in risk tolerance oh. over time. I mean, the, the further down the road you get, you're going to want to take less risk. And uh, usually there's a 30 year spread between you know, a parent and a child in the business. And you know, someone's 16 and someone's 30, uh, risk tolerance, totally different. And uh, yeah, you'll get some conflict there for sure. Yeah, yeah. the 60 year old is going to be going, hey, I don't have that much time to recover if this doesn't work out well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, hey, we got a we got a wrap for today. It feels like this one uncovered lots of paths we could dig into for quite some time. Uh, we, we bounced around a little bit, I think, just because the nature of the topic is pretty complex. You've got, you know, family dynamics and then obviously everything that comes along with that with running a, a small business or a family business. Um, 
if if you guys that are listening have questions on any of these topics, we'd love to start fielding these and incorporating them into some of the next few episodes. So go ahead and send your questions into uh, radio at builderfunnel.com and then go ahead and use the word family in all caps in the subject line that allow us to flag these down as they come in and we can tackle those. But uh, yeah, guys, anything else that you'd kind of want to wrap us up with or just general parting thoughts on, um, you know, family dynamics or working with kids or parents or anything like that. I, I, I always go with lots of communication, lots of communication. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's, that's the watchword. Just communicate, communicate, communicate. You can't do it too much. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining and, uh, for everybody listening, we appreciate you guys and we will see you next week for another edition of building a family business. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our second episode of Building a Family Business with Wes and Brooks. Um, again, let's talk takeaways as we wrap that conversation. The first one was really about intention and that's actually come up uh, you know, in the first episode as well, if you remember back to that one, but uh, really being intentional about your goals for the business. So a lot of times you get into the business and you have, you know, one year goals, three year goals, and you're kind of uh, pushing in your direction. But then as you've been in the business for a while and you start to think about bringing some kids or other family members into the business, it's even more important to be uh, really intentional about those goals. But that leads me right into the next one, which is to over communicate. And so communicating, you know, your goals, your priorities, and your timelines to your kids and having both sides be able to communicate what they're looking to get out of it um, and where they want to go. And, and really I, I liked um, what the guys said, which was over communicate, over communicate um, and, and continue to communicate because things change. And so uh, I think that is a huge one because you tend to just get wrapped up in the day to day, the week to week, you're busy, you're trying to grow. It's a business, like it's tough. There, there are challenges, but take a step back, talk about where you're trying to go, talk about, um, the different priorities that you each have and both sides have, um, and that will smooth out a lot of potential uh, roadblocks and challenges and, and problems down the road. And then the last one I thought was an interesting one. It was around uh, transitioning the business. And uh, I think both the guys ended up kind of agreeing on this point, which was try to go as fast as you can uh, is as safely possible. So um, speed being a very critical element to this, but again, not something that's going to put the business in a bad spot or uh, put the, the business in danger. And so um, these guys have seen a bunch of transitions, gone through different transitions, um, and what they've seen typically works the best is if you can move through that process quickly um, and again, just mitigate the risk to the business. So those are the three takeaways from episode two. Again, guys, we're having a lot of fun with this. I hope you're enjoying this content. And again, if you have topics you want to um, hear us talk about, things you want us to dive into, go ahead and send an email to radio at builderfunnel.com and put family in all caps in your subject line. We'll flag those down and, uh, and address them in some future episodes. So thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Radio.